I'm Brody. And I'm Christian. And this is Amplify, a podcast that provides a launching pad for discussion about life in the Americas. Hello, and welcome back to another episode. On this episode, we are so excited because we have Jeff and Teresa Stafford and an extra guest, Abigail Warner, joining us to talk about language and culture. Hello. Hey. hey, hey, how we doing? How are you guys? Can you take a minute to talk? Just tell us about yourselves, a little bit about yourselves, where you are serving. Um, and yeah, we'll get to know you guys. Yeah, so I'm Jeff and this is my wife, uh, Teresa. So we've been married for 10 years now, been on the field for seven years and been in our specific location right now for five years. So we've got four little kids ranging from one year old to seven, almost eight years old. And uh, so, yeah, so right now, so we came into the country, learned the local, you know, trade language, the national language. And then right now we're working on a, on a local kind of native population indigenous uh, language as well. So. No, and I'm Abigail Warner. I joined their team this year. Um, I've been with the company about five years now, served an ISC term, and now I'm doing my apprentice term here in the Western Amazon. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, it's really great to have you guys on the podcast today. That's awesome. I'm, I'm excited to see this and hear from you guys and learn from you guys. So as always, we begin our podcast talking about hardships. And we know a lot of times people forget that you guys are real people too. Can you tell us about a hardship that you had to walk through while being an M? I would say for me uh, personally, one of the f- one of the most difficult things was right um, as our first term began. Um, we ha- were only in language school for about six months, uh, full time language, and we had a nine month old uh, when we arrived on the field, who was at the time about a year and three or four months, um, and he began to get really sick. Um, just like started with cough and um, some congestion, uh, and then one day while he was at his language class, um, I woke up our son from nap and he could not breathe. Um, literally like every single breath was painful and, and difficult. We only had one vehicle between us, and so I had to get a hold of him very fast. Um, and then we proceeded to you know, go to the hospital as fast as we could to find out that our son, who was only a year and four months old, had pneumonia, um, like a really acute uh, pneumonia. And so there I am in the hospital, um, only six months into learning language, and all of a sudden we're surrounded by nurses and doctors, and I don't understand a single thing that's happening. And to make matters worse, uh, he's had to leave to go figure out financial stuff, and there I was, alone, and in a foreign country. I was pregnant with our second born, um, with a, a small, yeah, small son, and they were taking what I thought was way too much blood and I was nervous and I had no idea how to ask questions or how to even just advocate for our healthcare and figure out what was wrong and and all that kind of stuff. And every single nurse that came in looked more worried than the last one. So it was one of those really, really hard, hard times, like early in country with very little language um, and such an emergency. Um, So that was not not fun to walk through for sure. But our son is healthy and strong and everything, God worked everything out and gave us exactly what we needed and who we needed. Um, but I'm not gonna tell you that that was easy. <laughs> For sure, and man, it's, it's cool to see how God's hand comes through in that moment as you walk through a hardship of seeing him come through as, as our warrior and as our protector in that. So Abigail, I wanna hear a little bit about your hardship, if you don't mind. Yeah, so I think similar to Teresa, like there's always health concerns on the field. Um, 
you know, I was serving when the COVID pandemic hit and that same year I did get COVID, but I got dengue and it was just, um, you know, health things are really scary, especially when language is hard, you're in another culture, you're far from your normal realities. And so I think um, through those situations, the hardship was just like, learning how to trust God, because I think so much in this state, I had just relied on my own abilities and my own knowledge about how things worked. And I I never really had to learn to trust God in, in those really scary moments. And so I think the hardship through all that was just um, realizing how little I really had faith and um, growing in that. So I think that was the hardest for me. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing. I know that it's difficult sometimes to bring back uh, walking through hardship, but we know that we have a great God and he sees us through. Um, and so, yeah, so now, um, so this episode is all about uh, language and culture acquisition on the field. And so um, you all uh, serve as a team in uh, the Western Amazon. And so we wanted to get your uh, viewpoint on language and, and culture acquisition, so. Yeah, so with that being said, my first question is this. So why is being a humble learner so important to understanding someone else's culture and someone else's language? Yeah, so I think uh, any definition of humility is gonna say something to the effect of, you know, denying ourselves in order to serve another, another person, another people. And I can't think of another job that there is in which we do that more on a daily basis than, than what we do of, of saying goodbye to not just family and comforts and jobs and perhaps high paying jobs, but also language and those nonverbal cultural norms that, that we just in America, we just know and intuitively when someone asks me over to their house, I, I know whether or not they actually want me to come or if they're just being kind of polite or something like that, right? And so you come over here and you, you, second, you second guess every time someone talks to you, what do they really mean? What are they really doing? Um, you know, I, as I talk with Teresa sometimes and a car is blaring music or even just blaring announcements at 2 p.m. because that's how they get news out in our little town. They just blare announcements on the back of a pickup truck with a big old uh, speaker. And as we just put our kids down for naps and they're right outside of our window with this loud music, we always have to remind ourselves, we're the ones who left our culture and our norm in order to, to come here. Um, yeah, if, if you're not humble, it's really easy for everything to get under your skin. I, uh, I, I think about the movie Avatar, whenever Dude Man first turns blue and he's encountering the, the girl, whatever her name is, and she just looks at him and says, you're such a baby, you're so loud. And, and that's, there's a lot of, uh, of comparisons to be made. You know, for us, as we come into a new place, we're trying to learn a new language with new cultural norms. Uh, you know, we just have to be prepared to make mistakes. And if we're not humble, those mistakes are going to grow on us and wear on us and we're going to lash out at, at ourselves, at our family, at locals, at nationals. And so we have to constantly just come before the throne and remind ourselves that, that, that we are here for a greater good, a greater purpose. God has called us, yes, sometimes to make a fool of ourselves and no matter who we were or what we were in America, we are here now 
and I'm, I'm coming in as a, as a learner in order to be all things to all people. And that by doing so, I might save some, as Paul says in First Corinthians. Yeah, that is a really, really good word. Um, just being a humble learner as, as soon as you uh, hit the field, it's just that speak, speak volumes. Um, and I know a lot of listeners will, will uh, benefit from that. Um, so our second question is, how have you seen language and culture complement one another on the field? Yeah, um, so in my experience, I had a, a little amount of language in the trade language before I went to my first term. Um, and so I kind of naively went in thinking that it was going to be smooth sailing. Um, but I quickly learned that you have to combine culture and language because the language learning that you get in the States from a textbook does not really tell you how a normal everyday communication will be. And um, I remember I was often surprised. I would meet people at church and they would always ask me the same two questions. They would ask me, are you married and do you have kids? And when I answered both of those questions as a no, the conversation kind of halted and in my American culture, I thought, oh, we're going to talk about work. What do you do? What are your hobbies? But in their culture, you have to have a community to have an identity. You have to have a family to, to kind of anchor you. And so I quickly realized I need to respond by talking about my family back in the States and my siblings and my parents. And in that, I was able to communicate in a culturally appropriate way so that they could get to know me. And then those other conversations would come. Um, so I think if you ever try to separate learning the culture from the language, you just get one side and you can't really dig deeper into who these people are and how to really um, just have a deep conversation, you know? Yeah. Really good. It's good. So with that, I know it's all about learning how to combine both of them, but I'd also, I'd love to hear a funny story from your early days of learning language and culture, but also I'd love to hear how you connected that to learning more about their culture. Definitely. Um, I will share that I have quite a few, but I cannot share most of them on here so or in any public place. Um, it's funny how culture, those words that typically trip you up are some of the ones that you really can't share. Uh, so, but there was one when I was uh, new in the Philippines, actually, I was a journeyman there. Um, and so I was new and I was gung-ho about sharing the gospel. I wanted to share it before I knew how is basically what I'm trying to tell you. And so one day I was with a girl, a young girl, and I had learned uh, in my mind that there were two different words. One um, was heart and the word was puso, and one was cat and the word was pusa. But those words are very similar, just scary similar, you know, especially for a newbie. And so I'm, I'm talking with this girl and I'm, I'm on a roll, I'm on fire. I'm telling her all about the goodness of God and how he's come to save us and how he sent his son Jesus and how Jesus really, really wants to give us a new heart, a heart that is clean, a heart that is pure, a heart that just wants to do the right thing. And after a few minutes of listening, I mean, bless her soul, she was very kind to me. But after a while, she looked at me and she said, cat? 
<laughs> and the entire time I'd been sharing with her that we God really wants to just give us a new cat and he wants to take he wants us to take good care of our cat and wash our cat and clean it up and it was very very confusing so however in that I learned that laughter is probably one of the connectors of, of in any culture truly um, but the Filipinos loved to laugh so finding that just we laughed at our, our blunt, my blunder and then moved on from there. Um, but I often would bring up that story to have more fun with other Filipinos to get to the same conversation about the goodness of God and who he is and how, why he's come. So one of those, I don't know, I might wouldn't have liked that it happened, but it was, it was okay that it did, so. Wow, that is, that is a funny story. Um, I wanted to say, oh, bless her cat. Uh, because <laughs> instead of heart. Um, but thank you for sharing that. That uh, brought a smile to my face. Um, and yeah, so we always uh, like to end on a high note. And so we want to ask you guys to share a hope that you um, are having right now uh, where you're serving. Um, where do you see uh, hope? Yeah, so like we said, we've been in this region for about five years now. And so right now we're trying to work on one of the local languages, the Naka language. And uh, during these five years, we have seen people grow in their faith. We have seen people come closer, we think, to following Christ. We've also seen some probably like some syncretic beliefs that have kind of been uncovered during this time. So there's been some like very encouraging and hopeful and there's been some kind of more discouraging and sad things. But um, I mean, just within this last week, uh, we did a Bible study uh, uh, one week ago today and uh, one of the guys at the end told me that he was interested in, in, in being baptized. And um, so we wanna walk alongside with him because of this people group and some other people kind of dealing with syncretic type things. We wanna talk with him more and make sure he understands repentance, faith, baptism. But just the fact that you know he was there with his wife and his wife was saying, no, I don't wanna be baptized. And he was saying, yes, I do. It shows that they, they both understand that it means something, that it's a significant decision you know, and, um, and so, yeah, we, we it's, it is not happening all at once. It's not happening, you know, super speed, but we do see people growing in their interests, growing in faith and even wanting, you know, to become believers. I think also just in terms of just the overall, the necessity of language learning, I was at a, an event just a couple of days ago. I was invited to be a part of, uh, there's some other kind of M's in the area that we're doing like free lunches. And for some people, and, and a lot of Awanaka people were going to get this free lunch, they said, hey, why don't you come over and, and share something? And as he opened up the time, he just couldn't get everyone to be quiet. I mean, just they were all talking over him as he was speaking the local trade language, right? And he, he couldn't get their attention. And then he tried to pray, and they still were talking over him. And then, and then I got up, and this isn't to toot my own horn, but just to talk about how important language is, that, that maternal, uh, the mother tongue, I got up there and just started singing a song in the local in the Naka language. And I mean, immediately, young and old, you know, children and elderly men and women, I mean, all were paying attention and singing along. I sang another song and then I was able to give a short little Bible study, you know, with, with a few Naka, you know, keywords, but mostly, you know, in the local trade language. But, but I was able to get their attention, you know, that, that the, the language hooked them in. And, uh, and then they were following, tracking with me for the rest of the time. So hopefully as I learn language more and more, I'll be able to do 100% of that in language and I'll have even more of their attention and even more so their understanding and uh, you know, God working through that. But, but just that was a, a hopeful encouragement that, that we, we're, all, we're, we're advancing, we're moving along. It's definitely a hope that um, you spoke to. 
And uh, Abigail, what about for you? What are you seeing as a hope where you are? Yeah, um, I would say obviously in a different place just because I'm still trying to get my feet underneath me here. Um, but I think one hope that just goes with me throughout my life really has been um, in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. It talks about how God's ways are higher than our ways and how his thoughts are um, higher than our thoughts. Uh, so I think, you know, sometimes we come into this job with this vision of what it's going to look like and, you know, hundreds are going to be saved and all of these grand ideas and God does those things. But I think for me, I have to remember, uh, like I said earlier, to trust. Like my hope is not in my abilities. It's not in numbers or in lots of people miraculously being transformed in a few months. Instead, my hope should be founded on Christ and the work of salvation that he's done for us and that he's doing for the people here. Mm -hmm. um, and just resting in the fact that he knows what he's doing and it's mm -hmm. way better and way different than my thoughts and I can just trust that. So, mm -hmm. it's good. It's good. It's good. And I love, I love Abigail how you pointed out the importance of trusting him that he, he will bring that work to completion. But also, I love how you guys pointed out the importance that language hooks people in. You know, it's, it's such an important piece of advice for us, just hook people in by using the language God's given us. And so with that, we've been so grateful to have you guys here with us today. You guys have been incredible and given such great insight. So real quick before we go, any final thoughts, any final words for our FPO listeners? Yeah, if I could just kind of close with a quote I was reading this past uh, kind of Christmas time, New Year's time, from uh, To the Golden Shore, the biography of Adoniram Judson, a guy who devoted himself to language. If I remember correctly, I think the book said he studied for eight to even 12 hours a day, uh, totally putting Whoa. me to shame. <laughs> I'm lucky if I get half of that uh, per day. But um, anyways, it, this quote, it's not actually coming from like Adoniram's pen, but this is just talking about Adoniram and his desire for language. And here's the quote from the book. It says, Burma had seemed a closed door. The door showed no signs of opening, but Adoniram felt that it might if he persevered. Someday he would turn the key in the lock, the bolt would slide back, the door would swing wide on its hinges, and he would open the way to the conversion of all Burma. But the key was the language. He must study and study and study. He resolves to work harder than ever before. And so I just love that it talks there about perseverance, about hard work, but then even about you know, the language being the key that opens the door to the conversion you know, of, of that country. And so like we just said about language being a hook, language being a key that unlocks access to people, that develops that trust and those relationships, and through which ultimately disciples are made. So.